on Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1. Streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, and today my guest is Emmy Award-winning sound designer Paula Fairfield. Welcome to the show, Paula. Hi. Thanks for having me. It's, I'm excited to have you here. I want to talk. You just won the Emmy for uh, Game of Thrones Season 8. Uh, what was that like for you when they called your name? Oh, it was great. I mean, I think the thing is, this was, um, you know, the end of it. And it was a lovely way to wrap it up. You know, we worked really hard on the season. It was extremely challenging. So it was just it was nice. It was just a nice way to wrap everything up. Great closure. Oh, that's great. How many seasons had you worked on the show? I started in season three and and pretty much the entire editorial team started at the same time. So we've been on for that many years. Wow, it's a long time. So what? So how did you get involved in this particular project? And what is it like working on a series for that many years? So it's a two point question. Well, uh, you know, it. I mean, the first season of Thrones was posted in Ireland and and they decided to move post to L.A. during the second season. A different team had it in season two. And, you know, they were putting it together. I had heard about the show um, and had chased it when it came over in season two, but didn't get on. Um, and uh, so I kind of and I just assumed, you know, I didn't even really think about it. And one day I got a call for it. They were looking at different people Um and uh, what a fabulous call it ended up being because I was thrilled when I heard it. And I, I, like I said, I just heard about it. It um, coincided very much with the work I had done. Uh, <clears throat> I got this call in fall of 2012. And in the spring of 2012, I had worked on Snow White and the Huntsman, mm-hmm. which is a similar genre style. And I had never worked in that genre before, medieval kind of fantasy. And I just loved it. Um, I loved it sonically because it's just so much, you know, there's horses and dirt and armor and swords and all kinds of stuff. And then supernatural elements, you know, often. So um, I really enjoyed it. So I was excited when they, they tapped me for that. And as for a long show, this is not the first time I've been on a long show. I also did Lost. Uh, and I had also come on in season three on Lost, so it was shorter. We went um, to the end of six. Um, and yeah, you know, it's it's a really unique experience when you do get on something that takes off and the fan base builds and you're telling stories and the fan base is receiving the stories. And, and in the, the end, I said, after a certain amount of years, I mean, it's like fans and creators alike are making the show in a way. You know, there's something, especially with Thrones, there was something so special about what happened and the chemistry and, and all of that. And I think as a designer, I got to do several very unique things during seasons got to unroll these stories over, you know, 10 hours, eight hours, nine hours, um, which is always great. And this was sort of, I think Lost started that. Um, this sort of serial episodic, you know, where um, it just, the story continues and continues and continues as opposed to is self-contained in a show. And it is really very satisfying as a designer to have much longer than even like a feature film. You have two hours. This you have 10 hours in, an ep- in a season. And if it goes on for years, then you have years to develop. And I had the opportunity of doing um, the dragons along with the other fantastical elements in Thrones, but the dragons themselves were so unique because they grew up over the years which is absolutely the first time we've ever seen this and it was something 
that nobody really thought about until it started happening. Um, so to have a creature that's an integral character that has to grow up, you know, we also saw, you know, most of the cast grow up. You know, they started very young and went through their formative years right before our eyes, as did the dragons. And so as a designer, that was unique to that show. And it was an absolute uh, honor and privilege to be able to participate. And that's kind of grand, long-running storytelling. It's fantastic. I can imagine it is. So you have, obviously, you... Um develop a shorthand with the the director I'm, I'm assuming and the editors about how the sound should be but how, what's your what's your process what's your creative process when you're working on a show you know, like Game of Thrones or Lost well just so you know the TV is a little bit different than film we don't really work with the directors oh, or the, even the editors okay. at that point no very different structurally it's very strange in a way it's the showrunners so um, David Benioff and Dan Weiss who are the creators of the show along with a number of the producers from both from HBO um, were heavily involved and those are the people we helped shape the show with um, so yeah it's a little bit different in um, in uh, TV and uh, in terms of process you know it's really about understanding the story and understanding the world and world building and helping build the story within that um, that is the kind of main focus um, within that of course I had a number of creatures and entities to deal with um, and those had to be authentic and organic to the story and to the world that we were inhabiting with the story you know so and George R. R. Martin's world is very rich and fabulous and um, you know uh, predicated on a, in a on a mountain of mythologies and stuff so fun stuff to play with lots to dig at and um, things to find and treasures to find to attach to help make the story really uh, you know satisfying as a viewer um, when you are you know are living in that world basically so how did you um help the dragons grow i mean what, what did you do to create the different sound for them it's well you know i mean truly for three dragons uh we really only got to know drogon mostly the other two brothers who i had affectionately called beavis and butthead <laughs> <laughs> They, uh, if you watch a couple of the sequences, they're total goofballs and always messing up and getting into trouble. And, you know, they got locked down in the dungeon and they were totally goofy about it until they realized at the last moment. Um, so we didn't really get to know them much. We got to know Drogon mostly um, until we got to go know Rhaegal mo more this season when John hopped on him and was, you know, flying around and doing stuff. And um, but um, so I, you know, the main focus was on Drogon and um, like I said I had no idea where this was going I, you know I don't think any of us realized how big this would get or whatever but I just kind of followed along with the story that I was you know understanding and then watching the visual effects unfold and stuff and trying to build a character build a performance you know that match but also that evolved over time and over size and over a change of physicality um, and I'm really proud of the fact if you come compare some of the calls of Drogon in season eight to some of the ones in season three when we first see him, you know, like on the plaza when she takes him and it looks like she's giving him away. Um, you know, you can hear similarities in voice. And I tried to really maintain that, take a couple of elements 
um, and then character things that I could expand upon each season, et cetera, et cetera. And then the bodies themselves, you know, always changing that, kept re-engineering the sound of the wings every other year um, until this year when it was sort of at its ultimate in power and um detail and whatnot and they were used a lot this year for because you know like like in the long night you know when it's dark even the wings and the sounds of the dragons were helping you through the weather when you couldn't see or the dark or whatever mm. you know like the sound in that show everybody freaked out because they couldn't see anything but the idea was that you were supposed to sort of experience it as though you're in the middle of that battle of course mm. you wouldn't see everything um, and it would be disorienting and in those moments sound becomes extremely important because it keeps telling you where you are what's going on you know when there's danger near all that kind of stuff so fascinating fascinating so how do you explain I mean we it's not like everybody was a little surprised by the success of Game of Thrones you know did anybody have any idea uh, going into this um, the phenomenal success that it that it's had and and it's a legendary uh, the way people feel about it you know how many even the fans really love it and it's become legendary people want to watch it over and over again how did that all make you feel with everybody working on this project and to have that kind of response from the fans well i think the thing is you never know what's going to re- what's going to resonate you know i think thrones is born of a very specific time and place in our world mm-hmm. you know um and i think that kind of backlash we received in the spring though you know there was a lot of screaming and yelling about it from certain factions also is born of a very particular time and place mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's like and with twitter and with social media and with all of that and with the dialogue of being up at front and in everybody's face kind of un you know uncensored and all that kind of stuff i mean that's the thing you don't know what's going to hit people i i feel like um well i feel a couple of things i feel like one of the things is we want to escape this world this world sucks right now <laughs> <laughs> so, tell know, me how you I really mean, feel does. paula <laughs> 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 no, but I mean, the, the state of this world, for everybody, we are all living in deep states of anxiety. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You can't not be living in anxiety on some way form, you know, in some way or another right now, you know, from the news to, you know, threats of, of violence to all kinds of horrible things and people just being angry and frustrated in general you know it's it's really people are in pain everywhere and it it and so i think you know we want to escape to a place but the places that we want to escape at any given time i think are unpredictable and i think it's interesting because it's been a lot of talk about finding the next game of thrones but you know i remember when i was on lost there was a lot of talk about finding the next lost and as far as I'm concerned, the next Lost looked like Game of Thrones. <laughs> it didn't look like Lost at all. The next phenomena, worldwide phenomena of that. And, you know, Lost was at a time when we did not have social media. It was just emerging, just at its mm-hmm. baby stage, mm-hmm. you know. Yes. Um, and now, you know, if Lost had come out when 
we had this. I mean, it would have been a different thing, but I still remember there were, you know, the internet was young and still there were like all kinds of chat, chat groups and stuff like that that were really out there and talking all the time. It was the first time you started to see stuff like that, you know, in that kind of crazy way. And I think that that's the thing. You don't know what the next thing is going to be. It's just how it resonates and a particular kind of combination of people actors who capture people's hearts are able to capture certain kinds of characters that resonate with people, the writing or whatever, you know, Thrones was just a particularly beautiful combination of artists, both in front and behind the scenes who came at a very particular time when we needed something and it was kind of perfection, you know, and I, I, you know, will the next game of Thrones look like game of Thrones? I doubt it. I think it'll be something else because I think people, I mean, the interesting thing is, you know, it's hard to come up with something similar to game of Thrones and not have it be compared. Right. And that's the problem. And I think, you know, there's lots of stuff, you know, I also know from experience that most shows don't start to emerge until season three, four, you know, it, you don't know at the first season, you know, Thrones was, it was unsure, unsure of its, um, in fact, that, you know, the very first pilot that they made was they had to redo it. It, it didn't work and they redid it. Wow. And, you know, so it was an uncertain, it was decent first season. And, you know, looking back, it was a great first season, but nobody knew at the time. You just don't know how these things are going to take off. So, you know, I think the thing is we tell our stories the best we can and they're out there and, you know, people's, the tide changes all the time. So it's going to be really interesting to see what emerges next. It is. Uh, I, I think Netflix has spent, I know, zillions of dollars on um, what they hope is the next Game of Thrones. And unfortunately, I cannot remember the name of it. I think it's still in production. Oh, they have a whole, they have all kinds of them in the works, things that they're doing and Amazon too, and everybody, everybody's got stuff. And HBO has a whole bunch of stuff. There's a ton of stuff coming, you know. Well, and it's and even for other stuff that's smaller, because sometimes it's a smaller show that nobody ever suspects, not the one they dump all the money into. I mean, you know, it doesn't always work that way. And so, you know, I see lots and lots of interesting, wonderful stories that are gearing up and being told and the casting's fabulous strong interesting casting lots of interesting strong women characters and stuff that's what i'm seeing mm-hmm. and i'm excited by it it's fun it is you know? and it's it's yeah. look at fleabag yeah. yeah. I mean, that was, I mean, that was like so surprising that she walked. Well, no, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You don't know. And it dethroned Veep, which was sad. I mean, I, you know, honestly, I don't watch tons and tons and I caught some stuff and, you know, in its genre, it certainly has had staying power and it's been a juggernaut, but it, you know, there comes we back out of nowhere. And right. uh, and her out of nowhere. Yes. And look, my God, she is a phenomena. But she's been around for a while. She was also one of the showrunners and creators of Killing Eve. You know, so oh. it's like it's yeah, 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 yeah. So it's not like she's not been around. It's just suddenly she gets on something and it's it's resonating. And so people are going, hey, look at this. My God. And the timing is perfect because the voice is exactly what we need to hear in this moment. And that's how it works, you know. Yes. So I think it's wonderful. I, I'm really excited to see more women, more people of color telling their stories along with all the other fabulous stories. And I think 
there's just lots of, I, I just think we're in an interesting time. Oh, lots I agree. Of, I, I know. totally agree yeah. with you. I've been, I've been, been watching uh, Fleabag ever because I hadn't yeah. heard anything yeah. about it. And I went, oh, I've got to watch this now. And, and yeah. she, she's amazing. And it's different and u- unique and quirky and everything. If yep. you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Jam Price Show all about movies. And my guest today is Emmy Award winning sound designer Paula Fairfield. So, yeah, it is an exciting time in the industry right now. There's lots going on, and certainly with all the new streaming services that some will be launched this year, some next spring, um, and the desire for content. I mean, it's got to yep. be, for, for someone like yourself, you've got to be, you know, just jumping up and down because I'm sure there's a lot of work for you. What is next for you, by the way? Um, right now, I've just sort of work on a really awesome Netflix series called Warrior Nun. Speaking of mm-hmm. women, strong women doing amazing things. And I love the show. I think it's fantastic. Um, and uh, I've also been working on a um, acousmatic composition, a, an immersive sound piece um, of my own, which I'm hoping to release next year. Um, I've done a couple of little sort of short snippet work in progress sketches um, this year and presented them. But I'm um, it's a... a a piece called Ocean of Tears, and it's um, a requiem um, for grief, Ooh. for our collective Ooh. grief, for our individual grief. Because I think so many of us are feeling so many. Well, it's a it's a it's a common human condition, but right. I don't think we give it a whole lot of time in our world. And I think a lot of us are in a lot of pain, you know. So it's my attempt. You know, I've gone through my own. Yeah, you know, I have my own story. My attempt to take that and put it into a place where you can reside and 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 go on a kind of a you know, contemplation of your own place, consideration of the space of grief, um, but doing it all sonically, telling that story sonically. That's very exciting. Where would that, where would, um, where are you going to present that? Well, I don't know yet. I'm still sort of working on that, working on lots of details, um, but I'm hoping to do um, some presentations of it as well as, um, you know, release it as a, what I'm wanting to do is release it as an Atmos album. You know, one of the kind of interesting things that's happening right now is all the sound technology that's emerging um and uh one of the things that was just announced was i believe it's amazon is releasing a a new uh like um alexa module that has actually that you'll be able to hear music etc in atmos and of course netflix also is starting to stream in atmos and that's the immersive sound format that gives you not only surround but height so so you can have stuff overhead which is super cool and um so i'm i'm hoping to do this album that way next year and to be able to stream it on major platforms and all that how exciting that's very exciting we'll have to look for that can you tell us a little bit about warrior nun uh when is that going to be um, premiering on netflix i think it's i think probably not until the spring um it's a really interesting look at religion at good and evil um it's a group of women who are connected to an ancient order of nuns who are fighting forces of good and evil, but in a really interesting way. And it's, it gives you some kind of historical stuff. And, um, you know, the cast is absolutely captivating. 
Uh, I love them all. They're Who's such in it? interesting. You know, this is um, a younger group of, of actresses. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a young, you know, it's a young casting. But um, I'm sure once um, uh, this stuff comes out, um, you know, you'll know their name. So, um, and I can't remember them all right now. I should have I should have got them. But I it's don't, okay. you know, what I am, I'm, I'm blown away by them. I, I think they're all incredible. And I'm really, uh, I hadn't seen it. One of them, one of the women, I believe this may be her first role, and I could not believe that when I read it. So it's pretty, um, it's pretty fabulous. Uh, and the locations are gorgeous. Um, they shot in a bunch of castles in Spain and stuff. Oh, it's beautiful. So, yeah, it's very cool. We'll very have cool. to definitely uh, look for that when it comes out in spring. Do you get to go on location or are you stuck in a studio doing this? Yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm, they keep me locked up in the dark for a reason, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, no wonder you feel down and depressed. <laughs> No, yeah, no, it's, a, it's an odd existence, but I do try to get out and uh, go and do little recording trips and stuff like that. So, And you live in the sunshine. And, and, yeah, I do. Yeah, you live in the sunshine. What made you decide to become a sound designer? What what, what, how, what was that process to become a sound designer? Because you wake up one day and say, oh, I think I want to do that. Or did you have I another just, career path? Um, well, when I was, my background is as an artist, not as in film or sound. Um, I'm Canadian, actually. I went to Nova Scotia. Uh, well, NASCAD University now. It was called the Nova Scotia College of Art and Design, and I actually was studying photography and art history. But in my summer job, I got uh, I was an apprentice at the National Film Board of Canada and apprentice to a gentleman named Lester Holman, who was very well known. He's now retired picture and sound editor. And I sat with him and watched him cut and started to see the magic of sound because he was brilliant at it. And it kind of got the bug there, but continued on making art. I moved to Toronto. I ran an um, artist-run space called Charles Street Video and did my own work there. Uh, but, you know, in my own work as a media artist using video and film, I started, you know, also the audio portion of them started to become more and more stronger and stronger. And I ran into the work of um, uh, acousmatic piece, uh, acousmatic electroacoustic artist named Robert Normando, who's uh, Canadian. And his work has absolutely blew my mind. And he described his work as cinema for the ear. And I remember listening to mm. it and going, oh, my God. But without the training, I, you know, it's like I wanted to make that kind of work. Um, and so so then I started to think about an exploration in cinematic sound and, and eventually wandered down a few was only a few years later that I wandered down to L.A. And I've been here for the last 20 some years doing exploring this. And now I'm going back and kind of linking back up again to that work, which is really exciting for me. So. Interesting. Interesting. So what, so what was the first thing you worked on? Because you've worked in movies, too. You've worked with. Oh, uh, yeah, James no, Cameron and I Darren Aronofsky. Yeah, I mo yeah. mostly worked in movies, and and I think you know, there's it's funny. There's sort of less movies being made and more serial TV stuff or streaming experiences and stuff. Um, and so, yeah, the last bunch of years, it's it seems to be more you know tilting to that side of things. But um, yeah, do you have a preference? I mean, you're working more in television right now, but do you have a preference between? I, films? You know, it's all. 
storytelling and film has its sort of grandeur, you know, which is really fabulous. But streaming these sort of um, serial dramas, you know, like I was saying before, you have longer to unroll a sound design idea through, you know, like I might have 10 hours for a whole season to develop a bunch of ideas for a sound design for something, whereas in a movie you only have maybe two hours, right? So, you know, there are pros and cons about film is, uh, you know, will always be magical. Um, But, uh, you know, streaming has turned into its own beast and it's it's got some fabulous uh, characteristics that that I love. Yeah, and it's opened up a whole, you know, again, more work for everyone, which is really important in this industry. Paula, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. pleasure. It's been my pleasure, too. If you uh, you've just been tuning in at the end of the show, we have uh, been talking with Paula Fairfield, who is an Emmy Award winning sound designer. If you have missed any of the Jam Price shows all about movies, you can go to the iHeart podcast channel. You can go to Spotify, Google Play. Uh, we're everywhere now. And you can also go to the com, and all the past shows are on the website. So thank you all for listening. On Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1, streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show.